Hi, everyone. You're listening to the podcast of Angel Nears, a Silicon Valley community of startup builders where experienced operators share their firsthand knowledge on how to build and scale startups. I'm your host, Oleg Kujikov, and our guest today is Gustav Lindquist, a former head of data science at both Medium and Spotify. These days, Gustav helps startups figure out how to drive business outcomes with data and analytics. But before we get into that, Gustav, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's great to be on the show. It's great to have you here for the second time. Uh, to let the listeners in a little bit, we had a bit of a technical difficulty uh, our first time recording, and this is Gustav has been kind enough to, to give us a second shot, so thanks for coming back. Uh, to get us started, how about you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So uh, I'm Gustav uh, Lindquist. I'm uh, from Sweden originally, hence the accent. Uh, but I've been in the San Francisco and the Bay Area now for seven years. Um, I started off my, my data science career at Spotify over 10 years ago. And uh, uh, that's how I ended up here in the States. Uh, and uh, then I moved over to Medium. And I uh, just recently left Medium to uh, pursue a, a career as a consultant, helping uh, more companies, especially smaller ones, with getting value out of data. That's awesome. Uh, two companies that I think a lot of people really like. Um, I know I do, personally. So, but <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> before we get into that, uh, let's talk about how you got into data science. So you studied math and economics. How did you transition to data science? Sure. It was uh, actually thanks to my mother. Uh, and um, it wasn't necessarily a super well thought through career move. But um, uh, out of university, I uh, joined the finance industry, which was uh, you know, okay. Uh, nothing wrong with that, but I uh, wasn't necessarily super happy about it. And uh, uh, my, my mother found uh, basically a job ad in a classic good old printed newspaper uh, for where they were looking for a role at Spotify. This was starting, Spotify was starting to take off in Sweden at the time. She, and she thought, you know, this could be something for my son. And uh, so she cut it out, put it in a, an actual physical letter and sent it over to me and said, I think this might be something for you. Turned out that the job itself was actually for something I was not qualified for at all. But I was fortunate that the person I was interviewing with at that time actually saw that, you know what, given your background, we're starting to dabble in this thing that eventually ended up being called data science, and you might be a good fit for it. So then it was sort of, you know, from there on, it was pretty straightforward, I would say. Well, yeah, I can tell it's an old story because uh, nobody's sending physical cards in the mail anymore. Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> um, can you tell me a little bit more about like what you were doing as you got to Spotify those early days? Yeah, sure. I think it was very, uh, as you mentioned, it was, it was early days. So in a way, it was like a, a golden era because it was just so much greenfield. Uh, you know, getting value out of data was easy in the sense that because... You, you didn't do anything. So everything from the the you know recommendation systems we were building at the time to uh, to analysis, just trying to understand how does this thing work. Everything was like revolutionary. Um, so I was lucky to start off, I think, during that era because it was that that was definitely very very easy. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, you know, starting doing A/B testing. Things that are very straightforward today, but was you know again revolutionary back at the, in in those days. Sure. And I'll just say thank you. I like my uh, my daily recommended playlists. I, I actually listen to those. Uh, so sounds like you actually worked on that. That's awesome. And I think that's a good, uh, good example of like 
adding value with data science, but can you tell me some of the other ways uh, data science can actually add value to business? Yeah, I, I think it really comes down to, uh, there's this term, and data science is a weird term, everyone has their own definition and it's so overloaded, but I think there's an amazing term uh, called data, sorry, not data, decision science. Um, and really, I think data science can be split up into two parts. One is really building data products. So that's, you know, that I think that's what typically people think about data science, the recommendation system, I guess, being like that sort of prime example here. And, um, and you, you, you know, you take data, you apply some sort of, you know, quantitative method to it, you get something else out of it, you put it back into the hands of the users, they hopefully react to it, that data is fed back in, in, into the, you know, this loop, and hopefully over time everything gets better. And that's crucial. Then you have the decision science, which I think is serves the same purpose, which is about making something better. But in this case, it's more about the decisions being made internally at the company. And I don't think there's a single decision that cannot be made better uh, by sort of, again, using data, understanding the world through like rigorous quantitative uh, application of, of, of methods uh, uh, that keeps you honest, and then using that as an input to make decisions better than it would have been uh, 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 you know, otherwise. And I think A-B testing is an excellent example of this, which contrary to popular belief is definitely not something that is just like, oh, you run a couple of statistical tests and, you know, like that. It's, it's really, I think, a process and like an organization process, an organizational culture where data science can play a huge part in like making that very, very diligent. Um, but then it can really be applied to anything like that methodology again of like just taking data and so on. It's everything from like what, what things are being purchased, how you make all sorts of other decisions. Yeah. So, yeah, I think the point you're making is that like A-B testing sounds like a test and tests are very like you take the test and it's final. So we did the test once and that's it. But what you're saying is it's more of a process, more of a relationship. Can you uh, tell me just a little bit more about that? A-B testing process at Spotify and and how you guys handled that? Sure, yeah. And I think it's kind of similar, to be honest, at, at Medium as well and how it's done at many, many similar, like of these, you know, well-known consumer-oriented brands. But, but I think the, the key thing here is really that it's a, a, it should really be like called like hypothesis testing. So it's, it's really this like, magical loop or like when you get it working well is that you you do some sort of analysis and then you somehow generate a hypothesis you test where that hypothesis is 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 right or wrong and then entire point of the hypothesis obviously to to improve something that's good for the for the business um and then then you run up an experiment to validate the hypothesis like true false uh but but when done correctly and i think this is really where like the organizational sort of uh, skill sets come in uh, an experiment is always going to be successful regardless of whether it's positive or not because if it's possible well congratulations your business metric improved if it's not there's always something you can learn from the analysis and that in itself will help produce these new hypotheses and and and, and that serves as an input back into that process again and then once you get into that loop and this is a podcast so you can't see me doing like circles in the air uh, but once you get into that loop where like product management, engineering, design, and data science it works together to just help on producing those hypotheses, if you, if, if you can just like sort of, you know, stay around for long enough, like you're going to eventually end up with things that help improve your, your business. Yeah. Like you mentioned, uh, it's a podcast. No one can see what you're doing, but you're sort of 
moving your hand in a circle and I'm thinking of those like perpetual motion machines that you just sort of push and then they kind of accelerate themselves. Totally. And I think that's really what A-B testing is all about. It should be mentioned. I don't know. It needs a rebranding probably because the point is really to create that machine, like an innovation machine. Sounds very pretentious, but that's really what it is. And a machine, I believe really like in using that like rigorous scientific method, you can engineer improvement into your business by being diligent about it. That's awesome. And I love that we get to talk about process uh, on this podcast. I think thanks for like outlining it so clearly. Next, I want to ask like specifics a little bit more, like what were some of the most interesting problems you had at Spotify that you were asked to solve? I think, first of all, I would say it's, it was what was very interesting and challenging at Spotify at the same time was the, the like the, how should we let the implementation just using technology to try to do data science that was a different world only even six seven years ago where there were no very little open source tools very little like third-party tools you could acquire like services i mean the things today like with aws and and then gcp and like a lot of these things we take for granted like just didn't exist it was also very expensive to use it so a lot of my time for Spotify, I think, was definitely characterized by just the technical challenge of even being able to do these things. Um, Business-wise, though, I think it was really, really like you know, generalizing here a bit, of course, and like you know, so, sort of wrapping up five years of work into a couple of one-liners. But I think it was really about helping figuring out what some of the, 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 the those behaviors that actually made Spotify successful amongst the early adopters, how can we take those behaviors and develop and continue to develop the product in a direction where like it can now serve like hundreds of millions of people and, and create value for them? Because obviously those first couple of hundreds of thousands of users even like are, are not going to be, they're going to be very, very, very different from the next couple of tens of millions. And I think being part of the entire product development and business development machinery that data science was um, to, 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 to constantly make, understand that like we need to develop this product further and, and, and how to use data to understand what we should try was very, very uh, uh, fascinating and challenging. Well, you guys did a great job. I, I know I've already showered you with compliments, but I'll just give you one more. Like I really love when I finish an album or I finish listening to a playlist that I've made and then the based on track or the, the based on playlist comes on those are always like so on point and it's just full of music that I, I i end up really liking and i end up you know saving a lot of those songs because they've spotify has done such a good job of understanding me as a listener and and serving like the content that i really want yeah well thank you it's it's um and I would, yeah, yeah, say that like obviously it's work of hard work of many, 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 many people to 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 get to that magic today. Uh, but it's also the result of again a very rigorous process to very iteratively and through this you know innovation machine get to that magic. It, it wasn't just like one thing and then oh cool we nailed it on the first attempt. <laughs> very many, many, many attempts to get there. All right, the measure, analyze, improve, and iterate loop, I'm sure is very familiar to you. Sure. Um, so help me understand a little bit better, like what kind of metrics are you looking at to understand me as a listener? Um, what, what kind of numbers were you tracking? How does Spotify look at me and understand like, you know, how does it quantify me basically? 
I mean, I would say, and I don't think Spotify is necessarily that different uh, than any other company here, or, or, or mm. uh, at least in the consumer space. I think it's really the, the the workhorse of all sort of you know these type of businesses that are you know have a loss of consumers and are trying to you know sell them some product that you want repeated usage of out of. Um, it's all about the, the the cohorts. So you take a, a, a collection of people who sign up or share some sort of milestone, uh, uh, and and then you sort of nail that milestone in time that is down, and and, and you keep on tracking them, and and, and understand how like their journey uh, uh, sort of you know what the journey looks like and then you use those insights from what that journey looks like to help and ho- hopefully make the, the journey for the next cohort even better um uh, that's like the, the so, so in, any metrics that has a, you know are related to those cohorts around retention engagement engagement being a volume of some sort of of, of usage and, and ultimately conversion to, to pay like those are the sort of three yeah main ingredients into understanding how you're doing and more importantly what you're like what you're trying to do with whichever product you have and like are things improving is the things we're doing uh actually working uh or not so very interesting i have written down here data itself is dumb but then great data sets can represent the fuel for incredible companies uh so what is that what does that line mean to you? Data is dumb, and how do you go from dumb data to to great data sets? Uh, <laughs> that's not very nice to the data. It's, you know, <laughs> nice to the data. We're, uh, we're not but, very nice uh, to data on this podcast. Sorry, uh, data. We love you. We love the data. Uh, I think it's more like it's it's there's there's a tendency. Uh, as with as with a lot of product development, I would say, unfortunately, uh, that you sometimes see is that you start off with a solution and then you go out and find a problem to, to you know to throw that solution at. Uh, what I've seen and what, to be honest, that I've, what I myself have been guilty at many, many, many times is that like, hey, we have all of this data, we can do something with it. Let's go and try and, and find a problem to throw it at. And, and that is definitely where I think like the data, the application of data can be dumb. Let's put it that mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. And I think a great data set to answer your question is like typically always comes from like, we actually have a, a, a need and, 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 uh, uh, and and uh, and uh, uh, like you identify the need or the problem you try to solve first, and then you work backwards and you're like, hey, what would data look like that could help be part of this solution? And to give you a super concrete example is that like if you think about Medium, Medium like tons of written content, uh, and and you can describe and annotate that content in like a gazillion different ways, and. Um, we instead of like you could easily see how you could build up a, an army of data scientists and, and people like you start annotating that data like almost planlessly and you do sentiment like you do so many things but we're what i'm pretty proud of one that works with it was we we pretty we um, like we clearly identified a problem we we at least had a hypothesis that a reader had with respect to what they wanted to know about a story before actually reading it and then we worked our way backwards from there to help creating a specific part of that taxonomy, the label data, and like be very, very focused on that, and then serve that back to the reader. And uh, I would say, 
that that type of then turned out to be to be correct. But I think that's an example. Like start with understanding what is it your users need or you think the problem they have, and then go get the data that will help solve that problem instead of starting with the data and, and going right the way around. And that's when data becomes dumb when when you don't do that. I think. So stick to the scientific method. Don't skip any steps. Yes. Or or go backwards. <laughs> okay. So let's move on. Well, you started talking about Medium. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me what your job was there? Like, what was yep. the scope of that? Yeah. So, so, so I, I, I ran data science there, and uh, the, 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 the various projects I worked on or various they were involved in over the course of those years were, as I just mentioned, we, we helped produce and, 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 and were part of like building up, a, again, a taxonomy around the context, which, which you can imagine is useful when you're in the content business to have. Uh, can be so many different things. We also worked on, on, um, uh, I would say the, the traditional product analytics, understanding what do people like to read about, how do they like to read, what can we then help to do, make that product that experience better. Close working very very closely with product, product development uh, in in that area of course, establishing an AB like experimentation culture and. Also, more important, like helping build tooling and education around that. Um, uh, spent time working on, on on the recommendation system together with the the, the dedicated recommendation team that exists. Uh, also, as is, I think anyone who works with data science can attest, like there's also just a lot of plumbing work required to make like you, like getting that data structure to to work and and also making sure that it's tended to and and uh, and and so on um and 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 last but not least i would say we 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 also spent a lot of try- time trying to instrument and understanding like what is the actual value or, or f- as a proxy measure of the value reading a piece of content actually gives to to a reader and, and sort of instrumenting that to use that as, as, as feedback into a lot of the both recommendation algorithms, but also overall business decisions. That sounds awesome. And it sounds like uh, pretty similar to maybe what you were doing at Spotify. Can you tell me like, I mean, you sort of outlined some of the similarities already, but can you just go over quickly, like some of the similarities and then uh, some of the major differences between the two companies, or at least your experience of like data science uh, mm-hmm. between the two? And, and obviously, you know, you grew at Spotify, uh, the industry grew and, you know, data science itself, it's pretty new. Um, so I'm sure it was different in a lot of ways, but uh, let's hear it from you. Yeah, I think <clears throat> there were two main differences as you say, growing up at Spotify versus working at that medium, sort of, or you could say like the you know the late uh, late aughts and the, the early tens versus the late tens um, working in data science. The first one I mentioned, technology, like it's just so much more accessible. Like to be honest, to be somewhat even capable of doing something related to data science early, it has like you needed to more or less be like a software engineer or just knowing how to program, like like. That that was a necessary uh, necessary evil, <laughs> uh, right. and the also plumbing. you needed plumbing, like, and you needed a lot of just like overall like engineering support uh, to be able to even do the most rudimentary things. That is today like not even a issue anymore. Um, I think it's also just a, such a dramatic difference in terms of finding the inspiration where like actually Medium itself, ironically, is a, is a great source of like what are others doing. It's a very interesting field because it's so open by practitioners, by sharing methodologies, lesson learned, etc. 
which means, and I can just say, you know, trying to build a data science team in Sweden, Stockholm, like that, it was difficult. Like we didn't know, like there were things going on out there in the world, but like, where would you find inspiration and then the pitfalls? Like we felt like we need to reinvent the wheel many, many times. Whereas now I believe like you could, you could start a data science team from scratch anywhere in the world. And, and you could get so many of these hard earned le- lessons that have been aggregated across companies, 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 they're now accessible to you. So the tooling, the experience, all of that, like it's 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 available at a scale ten years later. That is just uh, it's 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 wild. Uh, that's just a big uh, like more macro observation. Uh, I would also say like in general, even though like look, Spotify was super progressive, modern company. I would say, and 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 it was an absolute joy to work there. But it wasn't a given. That working in, in, you know, like that the, the value of data science, regardless of whether that was recommendations or like the, you know, well, any of these outputs we've been talking about, it wasn't a given that that was like, of course, we're going to, we want that. And like, that's a good way of, you know, part of running a company to, to have that. Um, it definitely like changed, of course, over time. And now, like, it was a long time ago, I think, and anyone doubted that as part of it. It was good. Nowadays, I'd say like different different, no one, would doubt that. Uh, so that has also made, I think, the role of being a data scientist at a company easier, <laughs> for sure. You feel less of a less of an intruder. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the successes of a lot of these companies with data science have sort of made concrete the value that that data science is providing. You know, it was kind of an unknown when you were starting, but now people. I mean, I doubt there's companies out there, modern tech companies that any of them that aren't doing this kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so let's keep talking about medium. Can you tell me one of the, like an example of, uh, you know, one of the challenges or problems that your team worked on at medium? Yeah. So I think, uh, the one I already mentioned, uh, slightly around the, the building taxonomy was a very interesting one. Um, it was an interesting one because, um, it definitely showcased like how, how can you like get labeled training data? at scale uh, and 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 also uh cover that so and and let's and, talk and, about data really quick um for, so my my limited experience you know it's important to understand uh you know you get data you kind of split it into training and testing data um and labels uh can you just tell me like uh, what even are labels and do i have that uh, all correct no, no, it's okay. Yeah, let, let's use this taxonomy as an example and medium. It's a pretty straightforward example. So you have thousands and thousands of thousands of tens of thousands of millions, maybe. I, don't, I, I lost track. Sure. Many, many, if you're many, lucky, yeah. <laughs> many, many, many blog posts written every single day on medium, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you you want a way of 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 putting a, a label, literally like a, a text label, on like what is this story about? Uh, and to simplify it, let's just pretend that there's two two alternatives. There's sports and there's politics, because sometimes when you look at the world, you think that's the only thing that actually exists. But um, So those would be the two possible values for those labels. Now, uh, of course, what you could do is, is you could just like manually sift through all of these stories and, and label them. Uh, that would be very boring and, and tedious and, and, and wouldn't work or be scalable and very expensive. So that's where you could, you would, yeah, you would be reading a lot. You wouldn't be doing a lot of other stuff, but yeah, sure. You would be really an expert in, in, in the sports and sports. And then you put that label. If you want to skip all that reading. Yeah. What would you yeah. do? Um, so 
instead what you can do is you can use a, a machine learning model to, to sort of look at the text and then make an educated guess about what should the label be. And I think the key thing here is educated because how, where does that education come from? The education comes from having a scene, a couple of examples uh, of what does a typical sports story look like and what does a typical politics story look like? And using that education, that experience, the machine learning uh, 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 um, algorithm can then look at new things and infer from its previous uh, experience what should the, the label be and make the, the best guess it can. Um, and, 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 the, and I think this is, the, this is, whenever you're building one of these data products, this is a challenge because where you get those original labels from, because the machine learning model can't work, like it, it needs to be bootstrapped, like it needs to get, get that initial data from somewhere. And typically, I mean, I'm grossly simplifying this, but you could say that like what you need is, is basically high quality training data, which means that A, it needs to be correct. You can't have any like, false positives you know sports stores that are actually labeled as politics and so on because you're going to confuse the algorithm when it wants to learn and also you need enough examples you need like you know fairly big volumes so and this is any company's chance like how do you acquire those training data sets and how do you acquire them uh, you know in a in a in a cheap way but also you know correct way and it's 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 tricky so uh, i think we, we 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 built a couple of systems there to as cheaply and efficiently as possible, gathered at the uh, 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 training data. And I think what was really, really interesting and challenging, or, or not only challenging, but like a fascinating one, is that we, we uh, I mean, it, uh, it's that we worked with a lot of like uh, people who knew content internally at, at, at Medium very, very well. Because they could tell, tell us like, okay, here are labels we want. Like this is the type of taxonomy we would want. This is part of our hypothesis we want, you know, that, that we want to test. How can we find store how can we find examples of stories to even create those uh, labels? Because it might be very easy to like come up and like get tag, you know, thousands of examples, sports and politics, but you want broad coverage. So uh, to cover many taxonomies. So we, we had a, a very, I think, cool and, and, and great internal system, which I'm sure still exists. It's obviously been expanded on, on, on by, by, by many after, after me, but, but uh, that sort of uh, really made sure that we were, we could look at the, 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 the relevant and the, the right stories to create these, you know, high quality data set uh, to then train our algorithm to automatically label uh, stories um, with, with, you know, the, the goal of saving as much time and, and money as possible and make that as efficient as possible. So that was a very, very interesting problem. So I'm not sure how, uh, if I caught quite how you got the, the, the high quality training data sets. Was it manually? Like reading yeah. through it? Yeah, it is, it is manually. Yeah, totally. There's, there's humans like, and, and, and look, here's the thing with all of this training data, almost like, like there's no way around it initially to like, you need to have someone, someone in this case being a, me, a, a human, you know, actually tell the computer like, hey, this is type A, this is type B, this is type C and so on. Like, go ahead and manual it. I think the difference here between being good and, the, and this, as you can imagine, is very expensive and very like tedious. And it's also error prone because look, humans eventually become lazy and sloppy and like are not very good at it so there's many many like different methods slash tricks you can use to try and make this as efficient as possible this collection of of uh, of uh, of training data
Right. And you didn't even mention like articles that have to do with the, the sport of politics or uh, politics around sports. That could really be confusing <laughs> as well. Not, yes. Now you're getting into it. Like there's lots of ambiguity and so on. And that's why it's also very important to be working. I think typically when you create these, at least taxonomies or labels with domain experts who have a very good idea of what you want to use the, the output for again starting with the problem does it matter that you need to separate politics the politics of sport to the sport of politics or not okay that's really interesting and, and i have a lot to think about after this but can you tell me like uh so you grew a lot at spotify what were some of like the key lessons you were just that were ingrained in you that you brought to medium from your experience at spotify i'm just kind of curious Oh wow! Uh, <laughs> that's uh, do the retrospective. Yeah, part, yeah, right? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I don't know if my former manager is listening here or not, but uh, <laughs> well, I, I think okay. If we're going to be serious, I think, and and mm -hmm. this is um, uh, very true for 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 um, for data science in particular, and now generalizing, but many of us who work in data science work to say we are perfectionists and we are not necessarily, uh, we have also a tendency to, somewhat, uh, to be somewhat arrogant and uh, meaning that we think that like, of course everyone should understand the immense, amazing value that we're creating and they should just be thankful and that we exist and leave us alone and we'll get back to you when we're done. I think Anyone working in data science, regardless whether it's building a data product or you're in the you know more analytical space of decision science, um, need I think to have adopt a model of or an, a, a modus operandi of understanding that you're serving someone, and 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 um, you need to think really really crisp about like it's all about delivering value. The output is what matters, not the method how you get, got there. Um, and I think you know, many data scientists are saying this because I've done this myself a thousand times. This mistake of like, you put too much value in the method and how you get there. And actually, it doesn't matter. And, and uh, I think what I learned, you know, I would say the hard way at Spotify and hopefully adopted more of that uh, modus operandi medium is, is, is to, to operate more of an 80-20 rule. And also, also, I would say practice what you preach in the sense that, you know, this, you know, hypothesis, try something, learn, that goes for your own process. Like, you know, get, get that whatever you're trying to deliver out there, get the feedback. Like, is this valuable? Like, am I actually creating value? Am I actually making these decisions better? And then tweak your own process. Um, I think that's the biggest learning that to, 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 to also like operate in, 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 in a data science way. What do you mean uh, by 80-20 there? I'm just I didn't quite, quite catch oh, like, well, I think uh, so. The, the eighty twenty, like that, that you know, uh, you, you only need to. It's kind of like it, things doesn't need to be perfect. Uh, that uh, you know, eighty percent getting something eighty percent out of the way is is is, is typically uh, all all you need. Um, Do you mean like in a in a technical sense, like if your classifier is like eighty percent accurate, or or am I getting that kind of right? Yeah, yeah that could be an example. Uh, and actually, I think that that's that's uh, yeah, typically, and I've, I've seen this especially in recommendation system. I would say, it's kind of like 
you get very how should we like it's not easy nothing's easy but it may be very easy to get like recommendations that are like 80% correct and and then there's as much job to go work involved to get something that's like 90% correct and then it's 10 times that much work to get it from 90 to 95 and then you have to like start a question like okay what's the actual business value and like the actual value to to your users of getting those last 5% if that involves like 100 times more could it be something else that you could do that you're not doing at all that gives them much more value so it's like kind of letting go of that notion that everything needs to be perfect because to squeeze out out those last sort of percentages of 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 perfection is typically very very expensive and i think this also goes with analysis i mean you can sit and analyze things so deeply so deeply understand it but at some point you're getting to that like fairly early on i would say typically when you do analysis of, of most of these like directionally you see where this thing is going and it might be much more valuable to like ship that analysis even though like yeah you acknowledge i don't understand everything but this is where directionally how this thing works and then people can start acting on it and the sooner they can do that that's typically more valuable and yeah finding that balance between what's good enough essentially uh it's uh, uh, it's it's a very challenge but super super important to to get right yeah that's really interesting and there's like that human element to these things like <clears throat> you know it, it, it is uh kind of easy to when you're when you're passionate about something to become a perfectionist and want to see things through yes. all the way. But um, I'll reiterate something I heard on another podcast, which was uh, done and good is better than more done and, and perfect, right? Because we all got For a sure. lot of things. Exactly. We all got a lot of things we're working on. And uh, yeah, yeah it, it's easy to have a one hour task turn into a two hour task and your, 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 your margin of improvement is not that much. Um, okay. So last question about medium, what was the hardest part of your job there? And, uh, what was like your biggest accomplishment walking out? The hardest part, uh, I would say it's, it's, uh, one thing that not necessarily the hardest, but one thing that was hard was overall like recruiting and then, you know, building team, finding people that that's challenging. Um, uh, and I would probably say that the, the thing I'm, I, I, I would at least you know, say is my, is my greatest accomplishment there is that I felt that when I left, I, I left, <laughs> left behind. I guess I, that's what I did because I left them. But, but uh, the team, the ICs that were on that team, I'm, I'm very proud. There, that it's, it's, it's a, you know, great team we, we managed to, to, you know, accomplish or get together there. And, and uh, uh, I, I felt like, you know, medium is in. Very good hands. Don't worry about medium. <laughs> I can I can guarantee you that that's a really good data science team. So definitely most proud of that. Um, I'm also proud, you know, that that medium is one of these companies. I think is 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 is, is trying to do a really good thing, which is you know bring high quality, good, entertaining content into the hands of you know the people. <laughs> Sounds pretentious, and it is, but it's also worthwhile and it's great, and. It, that's a, a grind. It was it was four and a half long years that were many times difficult, and you really needed to play the long game. And and I think Medium is a, is, is 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 on a great mission. Have a, a great leader in in Ab Williams, who's like really good at motivating people internally to like sort of 
continue on that long journey it is to 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 continue delivering on that because it's it's hard it's it's difficult and uh i'm 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 part i'm proud of being you know i played a little bit of a part of of you know help pushing that thing forward uh for sure yeah that's awesome and uh you know kudos to you for uh for setting up that team to succeed i think what medium's doing and uh well i won't say i, I was going to say quora but maybe i don't want to uh, talk about the <laughs> competition on the, on the, on the oh, podcast. But, Core, is, Core um, is great. But I think, like I think what they're doing, companies like that, is really leveraging like the most powerful part of the internet, which is like connecting people and people with information that they're looking for, right? That's the beauty of the internet is that, you know, um, someone with, a, with an answer to your question 2,000 miles away can actually get your question and not just get your question, but answer it and not just answer it, but answering it in a timely manner. And so uh, what, what Medium does is, is uh, kind of an amazing thing. So uh, man, that's, that's awesome. Uh, you've worked at some really cool companies, but today you work with startups. Can you tell me about mm-hmm. like what you're doing with startups today and yeah, what, you, what you're typically brought in to do? So it, it doesn't vary so much, to be honest. I think it's really always that way. I mean, it's, it's, it's well, first of all, because it, these companies tend to be much earlier on in the journey. So the variance is less. But I think it's really about helping them. And a typical thing, and this is not necessarily the most cool, sexy thing out there, but it's really about helping them define and uh, how to measure how they're doing. Some people want to call it like, are we, do we have product market fit or how, like, what is our product market fit? And I think it's really about really what the, what I can help them with because I've seen it many times. It's like, okay, how do we take this, you know, high level ideas and like what we think we were doing and actually instrument and actually measure that in an honest way, because there are many dishonest and slightly misleading ways of doing that to help us understand a, how are we doing? And B most importantly, are we on a trajectory towards doing better? And then the natural sort of follow-up after that is, is okay, cool. How can we start establishing these processes and work internally like, like trying out experiments and hypotheses to make, to try and make things better. So that, that, that's to be what I do. And then I also, from time to time, depending on a client, go back to, I think a lot of it, which I personally really enjoy, my roots of like actually helping implementing that, building data pipelines, setting up dashboards, writing documents and, and like the, yeah, the nuts and bolts of, of you know, data-driven product development. I mean, yeah, I would call it like the real legwork. Uh, you said taking high-level concepts and getting them down to the fundamentals. It's it's great to have ideas, but like actual execution is is often the difficult part. Um, you also said like it might not be the sexiest part, and uh, I'm sure a lot of people would agree that like plumbing is uh, not that sexy. But you know, plumbing mm-hmm. took us from you know, <laughs> plumbing took plumbing has taken us very far. So <laughs> I think uh, you know. Thinking about this stuff at a low level and understanding how, you know, those pipelines connect and how this stuff interfaces is like kind of the most important part. Can you tell, can you just tell me a little bit more about like how you do that, how you set up those pipelines, um, what you're looking at to harness the power of data? Sure. So on the, on the technical side, it's, it varies, um, and and to be honest, these days you'd be a fool to like try and build something 
from scratch like you would like there's no reason whatsoever why you wouldn't use like a you know you, you know cl- cloud like aws or gcp or snowflake or something like that to like host your databases and store your data i think similar to how you like shovel data around there are so many good like third party and open source tools so really the, the, a lot of the work i do and i think what a lot of the work is is, is more like you, you're basically just a good you're very good at just taking various components and like duct taping them together so you're not so much a plumber anymore as you're like a, a duct taper we call that an electrical engineer. <laughs> Again, there's so many choices out there today. Which is, so it's more about also understanding the client you're working with and like what's their financial constraints. What's, I think, a, a, like what, what does, you know, how, how can you also build a system, a duct taped system together that can also be owned and operated by other people. So you obviously don't want to go for too many like obscure solutions. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, st- stay with the try and, 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 and test it. I think on, on the actual metric side of what you use these systems to actually implement, it's, it's a lot of the work. What I'm trying to do is, 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 is um, companies have a vague idea typically about like, this is the value we're, we're, we're delivering to our users. And, and uh, I mean, let's just use a podcast as an example, right? Yes, because we're now like you. How, how can we measure whether we are now delivering value to someone? And you can be super naive and, and, you know, go with the, the easiest thing, like saying like, okay, cool. Uh, if, if someone just starts playing, hit play on the podcast, we've delivered value. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's, that's a good first step, but probably not, you know, great value. Mm-hmm. We could also be super involved and say, well, okay, we want that person to have listened to the entire podcast, then sent us an email with a very high sent- like positive sentiment score, as well as, you know, a, a voluntary donation. That's the value. Then we know we delivered value. Obviously, way too conservative and involved. And I think that the the challenge of like any good data scientist or anyone who like works with defining metrics like these, in this case, the metric of measuring value is to find like, what's a good middle ground? Like what makes sense? And more importantly, I think help articulate and, and explain, because there's no way you're going to ever get it right. I think that's the first thing you need to let go that like, you cannot very measure value perfectly. The only thing you can do is measure a proxy of it. And I think as long as, and that's fine, but you need to have two, pr- like to be very aware of two things one the first one is that it is not perfect and understand like what are the limitations what's the you know good and bad way of doing this and make sure that other people who use this metric to to make decisions understand those and then second of all like don't be afraid to say like this is another thing i think like data scientists in general can improve like don't be afraid of saying you know what we were wrong or like this was bad but now we learned something new and we're updating our beliefs and making it better. So like updating and like improving that said metric whenever you learn something new about it. Yeah, it's really easy to look at failure and and see it as a negative. I mean, I say the word failure and I have a negative kind of taste in my mouth. But um, anytime you're failing, it's it's really an opportunity to learn. And, you know, it's almost as failure is almost as important as the successes sometimes. Um it's really important to be able to look back and say, you know, we were wrong here, and and what did we learn? Um, so you mentioned metrics, and I want to keep talking about mm-hmm. kind of metrics and uh, 
you know, when you're dealing with startups and startups that sell data products, uh, what are some of like the key performance indicators that you're looking at uh, in those cases? I, I think it's, it's uh, again, going back to the cohorts, it's all about the cohorts and the curves of the cohorts. Being very specific here, though, there's a couple of things I want to see. For Let's talk about retention, for example. It's a straightforward one. So typically, like all companies tend to see like pretty dramatic. And, and the question also is like, what's good retention? And it's very difficult to like pinpoint the number here. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I would say is like, what's important is to understand it, it, what you want to see is you want to see like retention stabilizing for cohorts. So like that the... This is okay to have an initial drop-off. Everyone's going to have that because, let's face it, people are going to try out your product or try listening to your podcast, and like they realize it's not for them. You can't be, you can't be, you know, everything for everyone. And so that's fine. Like that's I wouldn't worry. But what you do want to see is that the people that do stick around continue to stick around. I think that's mm-hmm. that's one of the things. Um, another thing I'm typically looking for and want to see is that like retention scales and with that what i mean is that like as you grow the sizes of the cohorts and as you start seeing getting new like channels of acquisitions you can achieve the same results with respect to retention so that it's actually your product or whatever your value you're offering to people is is relevant for like more and more and more people that it wasn't that the fact that you had high retention it's just you found this perfect like small pocket of of people who, who this product was perfect for, but th- then you exhausted them and then no one else really cares. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the things. Also, typically, another thing you want to look at that's very, I would say, is, is, is like engagement over time. So is your product, and this, of course, to be honest here, this is a nuance because it depends on what you're doing, certain, like, uh, but, or what you're trying to offer your, your, your users. But Ideally, what you want is to see engagement actually grow over time, which means that the more you use your product, the better it becomes for your users, and hence the value they get out of it increases. That's that's another like thing to 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 look for. So basically, like growing engagement per user in the cohort over time. Interesting. Um, you don't have to get into specifics, but like how how do you measure stuff like that? I'm just curious, like what tools you're using, even. Uh, we can totally get into to, to, to specifics. Um, um, and again, I think it's it, okay to have a boring answer because I say like the two, it differs for, for the company, but I think it really also depends on what you want to do is you want to avoid a situation where the tools like the actual dashboards to like how you explore this data is becomes bottleneck that like only the data nerds can use them, right? And then the mm-hmm. data nerds becomes these like gatekeepers to information. That's very, that's a very, poor way of implementing things but then the tooling that you choose then to like make this accessible to more people than just the data scientists i think it really depends on who the people you're working with and, and who, who like who makes up the company who needs access to this like their capabilities and in certain companies like you're going to need you know a pretty uh, sort of sort of easy to use dashboarding solution that is kind of you know very sort of it's almost like a pretty you know, white lab treatment. Uh, I found like Looker being a great tool there, for example, it's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, uh, to to really like make sure that most people can can get to the data and understand it and, and visualize it. Sometimes you know you 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 may be working with 
smaller group that is just like extremely tech savvy and, and like hands on themselves. And you can, you know, build a much more simple implementation. Of this in a, in a Jupyter notebook, that being said, it still requires, you know, quite a lot of technical know-how to be able to even access it. So it really, if anyone out just listening, my, my advice when it comes to like choosing tools to give access to it, is like really know your audience, really know who's, who the need is, because, the, that that that's what should dictate that uh, decision. Yeah, you sound like a man with experience in this. I think you know, no no one as great a data scientist as I'm sure you are. You're not going to be the only person working on this stuff at the company. So making those tools, you know, easy to use or, or just usable by uh, different departments and different people working in in the company, and and so they can leverage it, so they can run with their own ideas is uh, is a key approach. Um, so we're talking about data science and how it can be leveraged. Uh, do startups have a chance when competing with Googles and Facebooks of the world who have, you know, uh, data science teams in really high numbers? Uh, do they do they stand a chance, you know? Yes, and. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, for sure. And if you don't try, I mean, if you don't try, then you definitely will never have a chance. I think that's the case. There are, of course, use cases and certain problems where you're going to be really disadvantaged. And I think those are obviously the ones where like, re- like having just insane scale and having insane deep pockets and, and, and so on, like gives you an unfair advantage. Mm-hmm. Like, can you build a self-driving car company from scratch as a startup? Like, that's probably difficult. Mm-hmm. But it, there's something to be said, I think, about this. I mean, it's a, it's a classical thing. And then you could probably do t- you know, a series of, you could just do a podcast just dedicated to the topic of like focus, right? And, and being hyper-focused on, 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 on one problem. And without saying any names, but I would say like when I typically look at tools, for example, for data scientists, you can buy tools from like companies that, of course, like do many, 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 many things. And then you can buy tools from, from, from companies that are hyper-focused on one thing. And... You can tell like that focus, and this is just my experience, but like that focus definitely shines through and, and those tools tend to be slightly better than the ones who, this is just one part of their suite because, you know, let's be honest here, like you never get that type of attention and, and research. So there's something to be said for focus uh, for sure. Uh, and again, I, what I'm seeing, what I, I, in general is that like competing again with these big guys when it comes to at least like, the resources and the technology available to it, it just becomes easier and easier and easier. That was probably more difficult five, six years ago. It was really difficult and expensive to even just store and compute data. But all of that, like it, it's asymptotically just going to like being easy, I would say. Cool. So I think you've kind of led into my next question. That's a really good point you make on, uh, on, on focused tools being a little you know, typically a little more powerful. But my next question is like, what mistakes, what are some common pitfalls you've seen by startups when they're trying to apply data science? Uh, what are the you know common errors? Yeah, I would say one, one super typical one is to, to get to like a baseline of what your, your, well, well, here's a bit to, to, to you, they take too long to get to a place where like they can actually, First of all, like identify like what's the metric you're even trying to improve. 
Like, be clear about that. Because otherwise, you're just running around in circles. And, like, you again, you're coming up with some solution and then trying to find something. It's like, start in right, uh, right, right there. Like, figure out, like, what is the thing we're trying to improve? Then, then building a system and building a system here doesn't need to be advanced at all, but it's about like being able to measure that. And then when you do something to try and improve it, like get, get that feedback loop back where you can actually tell like whether what you did actually had an improvement or not. And then sort of go from there. So getting into that like iteration process of, of being able to basically, be, you know, measure and then, then, then you do something and then you, you, you observe it again and you learn from that and then you, do something again and like that, that loop people tend to wait too long to get that loop in place and they're mm-hmm. too obsessed and it's, i think especially when it comes using recommendations as a place uh, they, they you know they t- companies i've seen many example like people to spend way too much time like building some sort of first version of a recommendation system and then they throw it out there and they're like okay did this improve things or not ah, i don't really know instead of just having something super simple based off of heuristics almost but with a tight feedback loop. Um, that, that's a very, I would say, classic, typical mistake that that you wait too long or you complicate that. Like get the measurement in place and then start doing things. Okay, that's a good one. Uh, Any more, or should we move on? I <laughs> uh, should hire more data scientists uh, uh, earlier. <laughs> but of course, I'm talking my own book here. But uh, <laughs> I, I think that that's that's the thing. Was one. Um, the other one is, I think, a mistake is also they they have it. Unfortunately, and I think this is an experience that there are few shortcuts when it comes to like growth and data science. There's this, and I, to be honest with you, I don't know if there's this myth or if it's even true. It may be true. If any listener knows more, I would love to hear. But like, there's this myth that like Facebook figured out that like if you only connect to eleven friends or whatever it is, then you know, you, you would be retained and more engaged than ever. And, you know, that's what's unlocked, you know, the amazing growth and potential of, of, of Facebook. And and I found so many people, like so many says, like, hey, I want that number, like that one thing that like, you know, triggers everything and just everything becomes magical. And it may, again, I have no idea. Maybe it was that easy as, as Facebook. I somehow doubt that's the case, but um, but there's very you have to understand like the systems you're building and systems being these products they tend to be pretty complex and there's rarely like very simple answers on what to do differently so there's always this expectation let's hire someone smarter comes in and like fiddle it with data and they'll come back and tell us what we'll do and then you know we'll be get get exponential growth and then that doesn't happen and they're so disappointed and like ah data science well i don't know that's is that science quote-unquote you know it's I think that's another mistake. Like expectations are are way too high and it's very very unrealistic. At least in terms of how much time and work it takes to get to something that's even remotely useful. Yeah, I think one of the themes that's popping out to me from this conversation is like, you know, data science. We want answers, um, but a lot of the times the answer is not a pinpoint number. It's like the answer is finding a balance between two different two different things. It's, it's, it's a very human answer to these problems. Um, and people kind of want like that hard number 11, but really it's like, you know, maybe Facebook would have been fine with growth if they, if they use the number eight or the number 12, like it's kind of like somewhere in that range is what we're looking for. And, uh, again, I'll reiterate your example earlier, like to get from a classifier from like 50% to 80%, that might be really easy based on heuristics. 
And then you might put in, you know, the same amount of work to get from 80 to 90 and then 10 times the work to go to, from 90 to 95. And then it's like actually totally impossible to go from 95 to hundred. So, yep. um, finding that balance is the key and, uh, you know, tight feedback loops, uh, promote, you know, improvement, you're going to learn and, and you're just going to get better and better as you iterate. So I think we can start wrapping this up, uh, with some big picture thoughts. Uh, where do you think the power of data science comes from? And is the answer data? Is it that dumb? Is it the dumb data? I think, I mean, again, if we split it up, if we think about data product dimension, I think the power there comes from like just building this machine that basically improves itself, which is a very simple yet extremely powerful concept. It's, it's, that's almost like the, uh, you unleash this thing and it works for you. It's, it's, that's beautiful. And that's extremely powerful. It's super difficult to actually build something that, that does improve itself. But once you have it, like it's, it's, it's magical. When it comes to decision science, I think the real power and the real reason why it's like the reason for why that discipline even exists and why we should be utilizing as a methodology when building and companies and running businesses is that we humans, as I say, like, I would say this, we're, we're not stupid. We're very smart, but we're very lazy and we're very sloppy and we're extremely good at at hearing what we want to hear and 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 sort of if, you know only only reacting to to how we already decide we want to react and what decision science enables us to do is to look at the world in a more sober way and make it way more easy for us to also difficult for us to 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 make mistakes and also make it more difficult for us to to sort of cherry pick whatever conclusions we want to cherry pick because you can done the right way serve up more objective truths that you, you you're going to have a hard time sort of navigating around and and say and i think that's really the, the the value so again the quality of the choices we make become better through the the the, the application of, of decision science i think that's really the power of it uh, so you might have to repeat yourself for my next question. Cause I think you might've already answered it, but like, if you had to give a takeaway to business leaders about what they need to know about data science moving forward, what would that, what would those key takeaways be for, for, you know, chief executives out there? I would challenge them to, 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 to or challenge them and they can do whatever they want. But <laughs> they, I, I think the next level so a lot of companies like they have you know they have a group they like they have the data science group and they operate like it you know so, somewhere in the company think about what does your company look like and and what's the type of personnel i need and like what 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 does my if if the, it becomes natural that everyone like everyone's a data scientist and with that i mean like anyone everyone regardless what function they operate in is someone who can think about like how do i apply like the rigor of decision science to make my decisions better and and also how can anything I build or what am I serve uh, function like at least try to operate in this uh, data product notion in the sense that, that the thing we're building it improves itself over time the more it's being used uh, and whether that is marketing whether that is uh, you're actually manufacturing something like anything like but using those two mindsets and like ingrain them. How do you, and 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 also like now I'm gonna get a lot of hate mail but like I would say like why should you even be having a data science group? That's kind of like saying like, oh, back in days, like, oh, we have an IT department and they like, you know, they handle the 
they're the ones who like work with computers in this company. Like it's it's like I think it's a, it's a, it's a, it should almost be like water, electricity. It should be something that like is everywhere. Everyone, it's it's natural to operate that way using those that thinking. And so, how can you get rid of the data science group, but not their their methodologies? I think that's that's that would be like the next frontier for me. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think it gets back to your point of like start with the problem, really understand the problem before you start bringing in people to solve them. Um, it's it's hard to, uh, you know, it's hard to bring someone in and just say, you know, do magic, look at our stuff, wave your wand, and come up with a magic number for us. That's not typically how things work. So, uh, really frame the problem and understand it. Yes. Um, okay. I guess I have one more question about, mm -hmm. uh, hiring, uh, and building a team, uh, which is something you are an expert in. So, uh, <laughs> it's unrealistic to build a data strategy just around hiring the, the top notch data scientists. Um, what is the alternative that, that companies can take? You're absolutely right. It's, it's, it's like, it's unrealistic. Like there's too few really, really good data scientists around and also not only good, like, look, there's lots of really, really good. I've, I've come across like very, like pretty junior people out there. Th mm -hmm. They're great, but what they lack and it's not, you know, their fault because per definition, they're junior and unexperienced. Mm -hmm. they, they're going to be great in five to 10 years. There's few people who are like experienced and have like learned the hard way how to really like deliver value from 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 data science and also as a consequence of that like the, what is really lacking is like a, a good uh, like leaders like managers of data scientists essentially so lots of strong ICs but like it's it's the sort of like middle leadership that that's lacking and that's because if you just look back you know 10 years ago there weren't that many people who who, who did this and 20 years ago there was literally no one so like there's very few senior leaders there's a couple but like it's just rare and that's that will change over time but in the interim how do you navigate that i think it's really about already from day one because it's so easy and you asked earlier about like mistakes in like you try to solve your data science need by just throwing more people at the problem instead of investing in in in, 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 in in you know education and tooling and processes for others to do that same type of job that same type of job being you know applying rigorous methods to how to measure and understand things um, and and I think the more you can like make turn that into a product almost you'll be successful so you should almost hire like if you go out and hire a head of data science you should tell her or him that hey I want you to come in and I want you to build this 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 structure or like this team or this function in a way that we can just completely remove it in a couple of years time. Like you should work towards making yourself redundant completely, then you've been successful. Which, you know, probably you need to pitch it slightly differently if you want that person to take that job, but I think that's the the the, the gist of it uh to be honest. That's a very interesting take. I think people would love to hear that. Well, thanks, Gustav, for, for joining us and sharing your experience. That was, uh, that was really interesting for me. Um, before we go, uh, if, if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to reach you? So best uh, way to reach me is Gustav, that's uh, G-U-S-T-A-V, at datascience-021.com. Uh, all right. Uh, so you know where to reach him. He's highly knowledgeable and can probably help with your data problems um, if you've outlined your problems. 
<laughs> so we're going to end it there. If you have any questions, send us an email at info at Thanks, Gustav, for joining the show today. I hope to have you back on here soon. Pleasure was all mine. Thank you very much. Alec. Awesome.